0: Hey everybody, welcome to episode 73 of Track Wrestling's Weighing In with Andy Hamilton and David Mirkatani. I'm Andy Hamilton coming to you from Cedar Falls, Iowa, joined on the line by the guru of the track wrestling rankings, David Mirkatani. Welcome back, David.
1: Thanks for having me, Andy. It's the best weekend of the year. Got to hang out with you guys, and it was just really a lot of fun, man.
0: Yeah, it was an awesome tournament. I mean, one of the... Yes. For me, I think this is my 25th. NCAA tournament that I've been to and I can't think of too many that were much better than this one this was was a lot of fun you had the team race was awesome finals were outstanding I remember you know so many years um, in the recent past we've we've seen great action on Friday and it's kind of been uh, some of the finals have been a little bit ho-hum and and not so much action but uh, man there were a lot of fun Saturday night.
1: Absolutely. And I think the team race made Saturday morning a lot more fun too. You get know, a lot of times people skip out on that or just, you know, wait to see results and you know, Ohio State really needed to have a big run. I know we're gonna get into all this, but you know, it, it and it being in Cleveland, the attendance on Saturday morning was huge in comparison to, you know, other years. Ten- I think, you know, there was a confluence of events that led to that for sure.
0: Yeah, the attendance throughout the tournament. I mean, even Thursday morning you you see uh in a, in a lot of years we've seen uh you know it hasn't been a capacity crowd but uh it was it was packed from from the get go out in cleveland at quick and loans arena and uh man the energy in there was tremendous
1: for sure for sure so it was fun to be a part of it absolutely
0: yep so unfortunately we're going to kick this show off with you know the bad news uh we'll get to the good uh, in what's going on in the college wrestling world here in a little bit. But uh, a little bit of a bombshell waking up this morning, David, uh, to the news uh, that Eastern Michigan is dropping wrestling and three other varsity sports. Um, you know, according to the press release, it's going to save you know, the school $2.4 million. Um, I, just, I, I have a hard time with this, David. I mean, you know, not only uh, – uh, you know, it's not only wrestling, but, uh, some, also some successful sports, some highly successful sports at that athletic department. We've talked about it here in in recent weeks, just with Arizona state and my trip down there and, and what they're doing to add varsity sports and, and, uh, uh, Olympic sports. This, uh, this one took me by surprise a little bit. It, It just, uh, you know, and it it shouldn't we shouldn't be in the era where any of this catches us by surprise, especially after, you know, Boise State a year ago. Uh but uh you know, it's just been such a good news last four or five months with Presbyterian coming on board, with Little Rock uh launching a Division One program, that announcement coming out Saturday. Uh but uh this one, especially in the wake of the first all American uh, for Eastern Michigan since 1999. Um, what was your reaction when you heard the news?
1: you know, I, you know I, I the first guy I thought of was Mike Moyer. The second guy I thought of was Darian Perry. And you know, I mean, what Mike Mike Moyer's work with the NWCA and getting, uh, you know, getting Little Rock is a huge. I mean, if you had said pick a spot where they're going to be able to get wrestling started, I think. Arkansas might've been our 50th guess, you know, so really impressive. And then, um, yeah, I mean, I just, I, I struggle with that, you know, like, you know, I'm buddies with the assistant coach there. We've, we've hung out before really good guy, really just guy that loves wrestling. And, you know, I read his tweet or Facebook, whatever it was, and just, it's hard, man. It's really hard to see that happen. I think like, I think people that love wrestling, like we're sort of irrational about it. Like, you know, when you really love something, it's like people that love their kids. They only see the good in their kids and they should. That's, you know, that's good parenting. But like, it's really frustrating when it feels like it's really lazy what's being done here. Like, well, we just cut stuff. Like, well, maybe if you didn't have 17 vice presidents, I'll make $100,000 a year doing nothing. You know, then people could wrestle. People could swim, you know, those other sports. Um, when they cut Merrimack, they blamed it on money. And I was at the proceedings and a a person made a proposal that said, if we charged $8 a semester for parking, we could save every sport, $8 a semester to park and they wouldn't even listen to it. So once you've seen that, you're like these people just made up their mind they're going to give you the lip service on the other stuff but it's it's a wrap it's a done deal and it's super frustrating and you know when you look at eastern michigan had an all american you know michigan finishes fourth it's not like you can go well there's you know there's there's no there's no good wrestling in michigan i mean it's it's preposterous but it's really frustrating and you know i don't know if it, i don't know if it's like like you use the analogy and it's a great one. Once the tube's out of the toothpaste or the toothpaste is out of the tube, it's hard to put it back in. Yeah, it's hard to go back and get these programs. And I don't know if Eastern Michigan or Boise has a benefactor like an Art Martori, because whatever anybody says, that's the guy that saved Arizona state wrestling. Yeah, you need somebody like that to just swings a big hammer and can make it happen. So um, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen and it's, it's really frustrating for sure.
0: You know, one of the things that uh, was interesting to me, you know, as we record this, uh, just going on Twitter today as as the news came out, Jason Bryant tweeted this. Of note, Eastern Michigan President Dr. James Smith was the president at Northern State D2 school up in South Dakota when uh, that school dropped wrestling, too, and local community support uh, rallied to bring uh, Northern State back. So, uh, you know. I don't know. I don't know. You, the one thing I always wonder about in situations like this is, you know, are sports like this being held hostage a little bit? Is it like, you know, well, we'll drop the drop the sports because we know that, uh, you know, the wrestling people and the people in the other sports are going to be upset and they're going to, you know, they're going to do our job for us. They're going to go out and raise the money for us. Instead of us having to go out and find the two, four, $2.4 million and raise that kind of money, you know, we'll just drop the sports. And, you know, then everybody will be – you know, rallying to their uh, side and, and raising that money for us. And, and, uh, you know, I want, I wonder about that a little bit sometimes. Uh,
1: it, yeah. I think you, first of all, your instincts are as good as anybody in the game. And second of all, I think like I'm a business guy, you know, I'm a, a business guy that happens to love wrestling and was okay at wrestling. And you're absolutely right that, that your instinct should be that, that you should question that and wonder, I mean, it's kind of like these football teams that sell PSLs and things like that. Like you have to pay a fee to be able to buy tickets. You know, they just, you know, people just end up getting hit up, hit up and hit up and hit up and hit up and it's really frustrating. You know, the smartest person I've ever talked to about this told me if you want to grow wrestling, you have to grow it by conference, that you have to get a whole conference to buy in because then the travel, all the other stuff, it becomes a lot more doable, a lot more feasible as these conferences have tv network deals and things like that it's a lot easier to make it happen and i don't know if uh nwca is approaching it that way but i think that's how it needs to be approached i mean like the big 12 is an obvious example of a conference that has historically had some amazing wrestling in it you know with oklahoma oklahoma state iowa state those kind of programs but they also have schools that don't have wrestling in states where there's a lot of people that wrestle. You know, maybe Kansas isn't the best high school state in the country, but there's certainly enough kids there that wrestle that they could support KU and K-State having a program. And, you know, you can go down the line with the Texas schools as well. I mean, Texas wrestling is really big. There's a lot of people that wrestle in the state of Texas. And obviously these schools could recruit from out of state as well. I mean, it does have to make sense financially, but they – The way they draw these things up, like I've seen proposals and like, well, okay, it costs us this, but what they don't point out is for every one kid that comes to Russell, on average, 2.4 other kids attend. And they don't count that towards the revenue side, but the statistics show that over and over and over. If you add that in and those kids are generally coming and paying their own way, almost all these programs are actually at least really close to break even. And then there's the residual value of just having sports and being on TV and, you know, Sidarian Perry, how many more people are going to come now because or would have came now because he was an all-American, you know, like Kyle Cannell at Kent State, those kind of stories. Um, I think we need people to approach it from a business standpoint because we're talking to people that have no, they have no love. They have no emotion about wrestling at all. So the, you, you know, that side of it doesn't appeal to them. You have to appeal to them from a, a financial business perspective.
0: Yeah, I wonder. Uh, you know, one of the things that I wonder about too. I mean, so much money being sunk into football. You know, t- campus to campus, you see it uh, right in the in the Division One level. Uh, here are some of the records that Eastern Michigan has posted. Uh, since 2006 one and eleven four and eight three and nine zero and twelve two and ten six and six two and ten two and ten two and ten one and eleven seven and six five and seven so, uh, so things... one
1: winning record and one 500 record in there and a ton of terrible
0: records in there right yep yeah. so that speaks to me about uh, athletic department culture you know when you're when you're trying to uh write the ship with an athletic department you usually do it with football first now chris creighton uh the head football coach there is has seemingly got things on track a little bit here in the last three years with taking over going one and eleven his or two and ten his first year one and eleven second year, and then going seven six five and seven that's a little bit of an upgrade but uh nonetheless i mean it it just uh you know you wonder about um Athletic department leadership when when you see uh, when you see stuff like that. At least I do. Um,
1: it's a conspiracy of mediocrity, and you know we had that at Merrimack where we weren't we didn't get a lot of money, a lot of financial support, and you had to go fundraise. When you're running golf tournaments to try to get money, you're not coaching, you're not doing the other things you need to do. I mean, the programs that have the most success have great coaches for sure. But they have great support financially from their school, from uh, the RTC, from the community. And, you know, there's places that people that love wrestling, you, you know, it's it's, it's difficult. Because, I mean, wrestling is a blue-collar sport, and there's not a ton of people in our sport that have a ton of money. So it, it gets real complicated real quickly, that's for sure.
0: So, well, let's move on uh, to some better news, answer. David. Let's move on to some better news while we're on the topic of subtractions, additions, Let's talk about about Little Rock a little bit. Uh, Tremendous news there. I mean, not just that they're adding, not just that they're adding, but they're adding and they're going full bore at this thing. It's going to be 9.9 fully funded. They're going to have a top-flight facility. Uh, Has not been announced yet uh, what conference they're going to be in, but, uh, you know, Athletic Director Chase Conk, who was in uh, Cleveland, on Saturday, I got a chance to visit with him a little bit. One of the, one of his quotes when uh, that that topic came up is he, he mentioned, you know, some some conferences that fit in their geographic footprint, which to me screams Big Twelve. Uh, I right. f- I think this yeah. is this is very positive for wrestling in that region of the country, Arkansas, Texas, um, down there in, in that neck of the woods. Uh, you know, you, you look around a little bit and, uh, not a lot of D1 programs down there. You got the, uh, big 12 schools, Oklahoma, Oklahoma state, but, uh, you know, Missouri up North, uh, but, uh, you know, and then certainly Chattanooga and some schools, uh, out to the East a little bit, but, uh, you know, we've talked about this in, in recent weeks too. uh, wrestling is growing in the Southeast region of the country and, and it, it's growing in Arkansas, you know, 13, 14 years ago, there were, uh, there are no high school programs. There are no college programs right now. Uh, you're looking at, uh, I think, 65 high school programs now and 13 college programs that have come on board. Uh, Pat Smith, uh, what he has done down there in that state is, has Amen. been tremendous. Uh, I think that uh, yeah. this, this could be a really, really big thing for wrestling, for college wrestling.
1: 100% agree. And I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Pat Smith because I was going to if you didn't. Yeah, um, it's great. It's really great. And it, it doesn't fit the profile. Like we said earlier, it's not where you would have thought it would have gone. So, um, you know, I think it's, it's awesome for wrestling. It screams Big 12. Um, you know, they, it, they're going to have to obviously recruit a ton out of state, you know, because the in state wrestling, there's obviously subpar. But, just giving thirty five, forty more kids a chance to wrestle Division One is amazing. So, you know, big, big shout out to those people and and to NWCA and all the people involved in making it happen. And like you said, them going all in, them not just half stepping about it, which is awesome.
0: I don't so. think this is the end, David. I don't think this this is the last one that we're going to be seeing joining the. D1 ranks here in the next couple of years. I think, I think more are on the way. I think we're seeing some enrollment driven programs here. Uh, you know, the, the folks at Little Rock talked about that a little bit, uh, certainly that that was part of the the Presbyterian play when they added D1 men's and women's wrestling. Uh, right, in, we had Mark Cody on the show no, and about that yep. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. One hundred
1: percent. Yeah. So yeah, it's all that part's, that story is there's nothing negative it's all good news so you know i mean yeah yeah it's 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 just you know they're going in the right direction it's just it's you just you kind of wish you could use the momentum from the weekend and you would think after a weekend like that there'd be no bad news at all but i think it's good we talk about it get it out of the way and then we can just start talking about an amazing tournament because it was nothing if not that for sure
0: well let's do that david Let's dive into what transpired in Cleveland. It was, as we mentioned at the top, one of one of the best tournaments that I've seen. I don't know about you, uh, but uh, man, with with the high level of wrestling, the the team race, it was awesome from start to finish. Ohio State getting out to a huge lead early on, um, starting off twenty two and one in the tournament. And uh, then things kind of changed Friday morning, about midway through the quarterfinal round, and and I think if you trace it back, probably started with that Keyshawn Hayes match at, in the quarters at one forty nine, where Ohio State, gone, Ohio State had gone Ohio State had gone twenty two and one up to that point. They were up twenty nine and a half points over Penn State at that point. He loses to Troy Heilman, and uh, I think they were what like nineteen and fifteen the rest of the way. Um, you know that lead. Evaporated in a hurry on Friday, and then it went the other way. Uh, the pendulum swung all the way back to the Penn State side, and the Nittany Lions were up by 26 at one point Friday night. But uh, when you look back at the biggest things in that tournament and the places uh, where the, where the team trophies were decided, I mean, I, I think of I think of several things. I think of first of all the 184 pound. Sequence is the, maybe the most exciting 14 seconds in tournament history. And then also Hayes getting knocked off, uh, getting toppled by Heilman there on a tiebreaker where, you know, he was in position It looked to me like maybe he's going to finish uh, a reversal there. And then when he, he doesn't and, and loses a match, he gets knocked down into the constellations and there's Sorensen waiting on the backside. And so, you know, that was a seven point swing for Ohio State, potentially more if Keyshawn would have kept winning after uh, uh, after he you know made it uh, into Friday night. Uh, then, you know, at least right. he, at least he was in the top six at that point and wrestling uh, guaranteed three more matches. But uh, that, that was a key sequence. Uh, what were your major takeaways? What are what are the things that when you were on the flight home from Cleveland that uh, were most prominent in your thoughts?
1: Well, we predict things and we get a lot of things, you know, and I say a lot, get things right, get things wrong. But we spoke about it on the podcast when we were shoulder to shoulder. I think it was Monday when uh, I got into Cleveland. And I think we said Nick Lee is going to matter. That if Nick Lee doesn't place, he doesn't place in the top five, they're not going to win. And I think, you know, you talked about Ohio State's momentum early, but Nick Lee gets cement jobbed or whatever you want to call it by Ryan Deal. And then Josh Albert gets beat by Perry. And now all of a sudden Nick Lee is in a Josh Albert match first round wrestle back. Then he has to beat Mason Smith. Then he has to beat Cole Weaver. Then he has to beat Tyler Smith all just to get to the medals. And if he loses to Josh Albert, that's it. Penn state wins. Yeah, Like even if he loses in the round of 12 to, uh, Tyler Smith, you take away, you know, he had a major and then, and then the, you know, advancement and everything else, they probably lose. I mean, then it gets down to who threw head gears and which matches, which was kind of crazy, you know, but I mean, he was, that was a huge part of it. Keyshawn's a huge part of it. He's a Kansas city kid. So I know him, um, you, you had to know Ohio state's record was going to get worse as the tournament goes on. If you've ever coached a really good team. You know that you know you beat the guys really badly that you're supposed to. But, you know, it, the brackets kind of opened up a little bit for Ohio State. Like Micah Jordan, you know, he got to Russell Van Brill instead of LaVallee. I mean, there were some things like that that happened. And, you know, it, it looked like they were in position to do really well. I mean, uh, Bo Jordan lost to Daniel Lewis. You know, that was a big swing match. I mean, obviously, I think the killer match for them was Colin Moore at 97, losing to Connell. They came back through and took fourth and lost to him again. But he's, you know, he lost to Machiavello in the duel, but, I mean, that's probably a toss-up match. If he makes the finals against Haught, that's another toss-up match. So, I mean, those matches, I mean, You know, you win and lose as a team, right? So, like, Miles Martin didn't cost them the national title. I mean, he probably scored the third or fourth most points of anybody on the team. But, I mean, that sequence is a huge thing. And then Nick Lee didn't obviously win it for them when he didn't score the most points on their team. But those things, along with Keyshawn, but life's a series of what-ifs. And, you know, when you play these fantasy games and you pick guys and they, you know, man, if this guy had just won or that guy had just won, you know, yeah, but he didn't and I I will say this I thought the refereeing was really pretty good this weekend like there was a lot of bricks thrown and a lot of things you know that were tough calls but for the most part I thought they got them right like the only thing that really stuck out to me was you know the Ronnie Perry final match that was almost takedown I think you have to go look at it yourself I don't care how many challenges Lockhaven has left like it's the national finals you need to go make it right but I mean, maybe they don't get an A-plus, but I thought they get an A or an A-minus. I thought they did really well overall.
0: Well, let's take a run through uh, all 10 weights. Before we do that, uh, let's give a, a word to our sponsors from Resolite. This podcast is sponsored by Resolite Sports Products, your one source for both classic and lightweight mats. From Resolite zip mat, the first and only tape-free mat to offer a waterproof interlocking connection system to Resolite's exclusive DigiPrint mat, the only fully customizable mat featuring unlimited graphics that brings unrivaled school branding to your new lightweight mat. Visit Resolite.com for all your wrestling mat needs. Resolite, the mat company. Well, David, let's start. uh, Let's go in chronological order. Let's go with uh, lightest to heaviest, 125 pounds. Spencer Lee was a different animal in Cleveland. Once he was unleashed from that knee brace.
1: You and Mark Ostrander both pointed that out correctly. And 100% on point tech fall, tech fall, fall, fall five, one. I mean, just, you know, and people are already talking about him being a four time. They're talking about who can, who can wrestle him to a decision next year. You know, Soriano moves up and, they're not wrong. I mean, it was dominance, right? I mean, really dominant. So he was awfully impressive. And then Tomasello's ability to bounce back, finish on an odd number every year um, is really impressive to me. And then, you know, the guys that, you know, Cruz obviously was a one seed and took fifth. Piccinini was a six seed and didn't place and got tech fall by Lezak at 16 to nothing. You know, those those were kind of the, the major major stories to me at this way.
0: Yeah, Tomasello running into a hawkeye, third year in a row in the semifinals. Last three years of his career, David, he loses four matches, all two guys wearing the black and gold singlet. Three different guys. Crazy to me. Uh but uh, social
1: media was kinda of brutal about that too, weren't they?
0: Uh there were some Photoshops out there floating yeah. around.
1: Yeah. 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 He's a class act, right? Tomasello. Like, I mean, just, I mean, I think that's the kind of kid you want in your program, like no matter what, yep. he just works his fanny off and yes or no, sir, kind of kid. and
0: Puts it out there um, every time, I, I, you, you know, you, you don't get yeah. him standing around and not taking shots. He's, he's out there trying to trying to put points on the board. And, uh, yeah, I think he's, he's been a great ambassador, not just for Ohio state wrestling, but for college wrestling, you know, throughout his four years, uh, and certainly, uh, you know, that's, man, the Spencer Lee show, though. Yeah, it was, I haven't seen anything like that out of a freshman. I don't know about you, but uh, and it, just the way, like the fear that he strikes in opponents, you know, is really, you know, it didn't surprise me that Tomasello went both up. We saw him get ridden in the, in the dual meet and, uh, you know, pick neutral in the Big Ten championships. I was a little surprised, Suriano, down 3 0 didn't go underneath him. How about you?
1: Yeah, I was, but at the same time, you kind of figure, okay, how long is it going to take me to get my point? What's the risk reward? Uh, I mean, I, guys hit this tournament. When we talk about 33, we're going to talk about this. Guys hit this tournament, and and this is why we love this tournament, because you can't predict it, right? Like, you know, we talked about Ultimate Fantasy Wrestling Challenge, and, following seeds and everybody's got these little contests it never goes the way you think it's going to go because it's 18 to 22 year old kids and spencer lee like i probably heard one of the less less intelligent questions when i was sitting in there listening and being interviewed with my camera and they're like well you know what have you done to be ready for a big moment like this well he's won the world he's like an age group world champion multiple times like He's a savage. He just doesn't look like a savage. He's got a baby face, and he comes out to Pokemon, and he's wearing pajama bottoms. But <laughs> that kid is a savage, and I mean that as a complete compliment. Like, just gangster. Like, and you've talked about it. The the, the energy he brought to that room, you know, in a very positive way, uh, infected or impacted. Maybe it's a better word, and you say it positively impacted that entire program and the energy level of that program. And you pointed this out to me, so I can give you credit. They out everybody this year, correct, at the tournament?
0: Yeah, yeah. They they not just out everybody. They had the most bonus points for an Iowa team since Gable's final team in 1997. They had ten yeah, falls. that's how
1: you win titles, right? Yep. I mean, like, it's very, very positive for them. And, you know, in a couple of weeks we'll do the preseason stuff and talk about But Iowa's in a great spot. I don't know if they can beat Penn State, but – You know, I was literally arguing with somebody Thursday night. They were saying how Iowa sucked and Missouri sucked. And I'm like, first of all, it's Thursday night. And second of all, you know, like I sent the guy a text Saturday. I'm like, third and seventh, like terrible, huh? You know, like there's 70 programs that want to be those guys. So I think they did a great job. It it was super impressive. And he's, he's special. Like he's special among special. And there's a pretty strong argument. He should have got outstanding wrestler of the tournament for sure.
0: Yeah, so Iowa finishes with ninety-seven points, and what's what's really interesting to me, David, three years ago, Iowa goes into the tournament with a team that was ranked number one most of the season, senior-laden team, finished with eighty-four points. That's the power of bonus points, right there. Yeah, you know that that, yeah. that team I mean, in twenty fifteen
1: scored more points than anybody in the tournament.
0: Yep. Yep. So, yeah. So Hawkeyes going to bring the vast majority of those points back. They lose Brandon Sorensen coming off uh, fifth place finish, four time All American. Uh, but everybody else that scored points for him will be back plus more Jacob Warner, Max Murin, Pat Lugo. Uh, so the Hawkeyes are, are set up to uh, be near the top of that team leaderboard again next year. Let's move yeah, it on to 133.
1: 100 totally like point plus team. Yeah.
0: Let's move it on to 133 points, David. Uh, Seth Gross had his hands full in the semifinals. Tariq Wilson, (laughs) a guy that uh, you had your eye on, stormed through the bracket to the semifinals, then took Seth Gross down five times. He made made himself a name in Cleveland, close to home.
1: Yeah, Tariq Wilson was a guy that, you know, I'd picked as a dark horse, and he may have been on my fantasy team. And um, he, he's just hard to wrestle. Like, I, wa- I looked at his matchup, and he's as, he does things as well as Ernest, he does the style matchup. Um, I thought he could give Terrell fits, and then Terrell lost to Montoya. And I didn't think he could beat Cade Brock, you know, after losing 16 to 1. But, you know, that was a very poor tactical match on Brock's part. And then Wilson wrestled phenomenally well against Gross. And it was like 10-10, and he shot. It was the first time he tried to finish on the ground instead of hiking that leg up, and that was the difference. But, I mean, he was really the story of the tournament. You know, I mean, Delvecchio takes six from an unseated position, and then, you know, that leaves guys like – I mean, I guess the negative story of the weekend at this weight was DeSanto with some of his behavior, and he's obviously got to get that under control. Um, I'm sure he lost some fans this week and you, you, you know, you're probably going to lose a match again in your life. You have to learn how to deal with that. And Stevan Misik, I think he may have hope for next year, just the way that match went. Like if he can stay off his back, you know, he's, he might be better on his feet. I think Tariq Wilson can say the same thing. You know, gross, put him on his back twice, once for a big tilt and once for the fall, but really happy for Bono and John Reeder and gross and gross is really a story of, redemption of second chances and you know i think that's another reason why we love sports so that was a really cool story as well
0: anything else from 133 you covered a lot of it right there yeah all right let's turn turn the bracket page to 141 let's go
1: to the let's go to the weakest weight in the the (laughs) tournament 141
0: (laughs) hashtag sarcasm yanni (laughs) exactly Johnny Diakamahalas, David. I was super impressed with him down in South Beach. Uh, the one thing I wondered about him, you know, was just uh, you know, savvy a little bit. When it when it when the bullets start flying in the NCAA championships, when you're in high pressure, high stakes matches there against seasoned veterans like Dean Heil, uh, like Bryce Meredith, like Jaden Ironman, are you gonna be able to Are you going to be able to hold it together? Are you going to have the mental game to get it done? And, uh, boy, did he. Over time when – all right, let's let's rewind. He comes from behind in the third period to beat Heil. Take down 27 seconds to go right out. Really smart uh, in in his positioning in that that last 27 seconds on top uh, to avoid giving up a reversal or an escape. Uh, Comes from behind. Uh, Or, excuse me, he he comes back in overtime against Ironman and scores a takedown there to win. And then, uh, man, what what guts he showed there in the finals as well against uh, Bryce Meredith to get the cradle and and put him on his back in the closing seconds. He is the total package, David. He's the total package.
1: Yeah, another world-level guy. Uh, You know, he spoke very, very positively about Mike Gray and the influence he's had. And I think that's just a really good lesson. You don't have to be a four-time national champion to be a great coach and kids buy into people that invest in them. And so, you know, that was impressive. Yanni beat, I mean, I, I just want to say this. I, I don't know him, but I, Dean Hiles has been an amazing wrestler the last four years, obviously didn't have a great senior season, But he's still got to be considered one of the greats at Oklahoma State. You go in 4-1-1, you know, round of 12. And, you know, it's been a leader for them. And, you know, you don't root against guys or for guys, but it was sad to watch that. Um, You know, and then same thing with Kevin Jack. He kind of, you know, slipped through the cracks, but he's a multiple-time All-American and a guy that really was one of the guys that got NC State to this level. Um, you know, one of the first guys to believe, you know, a guy from like I think it's Connecticut or somewhere out there where wasn't a huge recruit, they pulled him out of red shirt and he places. And, you know, that style that NC state has these tall lanky guys that can ride you all day and blanket you and really good on counter offense. Uh, but yeah, Yanni's the story. And, and Bryce Meredith is the story. It's tough to watch him lose too, but you have two true freshmen and, you know, you always sit next to you and you're researching what happened, but true two, Two true freshmen winning hasn't happened in forever. It looked like 1947, and, um, according be to Jason. Really good, but he's the favorite for sure.
0: 1947, according to Jason Bryant's trusty stat book. If you didn't, we'll pick,
1: call that forever. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Yep. If you didn't pick That's up one of those time. this year, be sure to do so next year. Tons of great information and statistics in there. So, yeah, 1947. Um, man i you know we've seen it coming here for a while in the last three or four years miles martin went in as a true freshman a couple of years before that jaden cox went in as a true freshman last year mark hall as a true freshman and then these two this year and you know it's the development mental system in the united states is not slowing down so I think uh, we're going to be seeing kids stepping in from high school ready to compete for titles for for quite some time for the foreseeable future. For sure. Anything else at 141, David?
1: Nope.
0: Well, nope, before nope, nope. Yeah, Ronnie Perry. Let's uh <laughs> before we move on to Ronnie Perry, let's talk about Sedarian Perry. Oh yeah. Finishes yeah. with a losing record, 18 and 19. Uh, but what a tournament for him. Takes out Josh Albert in the first round, beats Ryan Deal in the second. Um in the backside after losing to Bryce Meredith in the in the quarters, he comes back in the round of 12 and beats Mike Carr from Illinois and then uh, winds up taking eighth, uh, as I mentioned, first All-American for Eastern Michigan since 1999. Hopefully not the last. Uh, also a guy that right. uh, made a nice run through the bracket, Chad Red, coming back from a first-round loss. Uh, loses in the first round, and then on the back side, uh, boy, he, he put, put up some big wins there on the back. He beat Mike Thorne, beat um, beat Ryan Deal on the back, uh, beat Vince Vince Turk on the back, pinned Dean Heil to end his career in the round of 12, and then uh, lost in a tiebreaker to Kevin Jack before coming back and pinning Sidarian Perry for seventh. So uh, good tournament for Nebraska. Really good tournament for Nebraska. They weren't in our top ten all season long, and they wind up uh, uh, cracking the top ten as a team. On the flip side, not such a good tournament for Oklahoma State. You know, the Cowboys uh, really had a lot of guys that, um, you know, it was strange. It was strange to be there uh, midway through, what was it, midway through the round of 12, midway through the blood round in Oklahoma State. I think still did not have an All-American, I think until uh, – until Boop, almost midway through the, the blood round until they got one. Uh, but uh, Nebraska coming in ninth, 47 points. Oklahoma State 13th, 37 and a half. So a uh, tough tournament for the Cowboys, but uh, we'll talk about them, I'm sure, in the weeks to come as a team that uh, likely will they have be. have a
1: team that feels like they could score 100 points next year. Yeah. That's what's weird. Yep. Yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah, for so, sure. 149 Zane Train, third straight national title. Uh, not as dominant as a year ago, but uh, that's setting the bar about as high as it gets. The way he wrestled a year ago, tech, tech falling or pinning everybody in his path in the postseason. Um, I'm not sure that uh, I'm not sure I've ever seen that done before. Uh, 10-4 win in the semis over Troy Heilman, 6-2 in the finals over Ronnie Perry. Ronnie Perry was. Probably the story of the tournament at 149 pounds, certainly on the bottom side at least, uh, with what he did. Comes in as a 15 seed, uh, knocks off Sorensen in the round, in the second round, knocks off Sertzis in the quarters, knocks off Kaladzic in the semis, and then uh, 6-2 in the finals he loses to Zane Rutherford.
1: Yeah, Ronnie, well, first of all, what's crazy is you're right. You know, Zane wasn't as dominant. All he did was go tech, fall, fall, tech, fall, then ten four six two, and somehow he fell off. That's what's crazy. Yep. And then Ronnie Perry, a couple of years ago, like when Miles Martin made the finals, I mean, in no disrespect to anybody that does anything, but the bracket kind of opened up for him. You know, Ronnie Perry beat Sorensen, Sertzis, and Kolosdek back-to-back-to-back. To back. Yeah. And started with Jared Print, or started with Cortland uh, Schuyler, excuse me. So, I mean, like, he broke the bracket. You know, it wasn't like it fell open for him. And then Kolodzic was another guy that we had talked about that felt like he was a sleeper and he made it all the way to the semis and lost a close match to Perry. Yeah, I mean, this was, you know, this was a weight where there's a lot of turnover. Sertzis ends up making All American take seventh. Um, You know, Grant Leith with his neck injury comes back and takes sixth. Lulu Wallen wasn't even a starter halfway through the year, really is a 41 pounder, bumps up in places. But at the end of the day, it's Zane, right? And he'll be, you know, he'll be a guy. When you talk about the old 142 and now the 149, he has to be at the top of that conversation of the best ever at that weight.
0: Yeah. And then uh, the way that uh, the bracket played out, uh, you know, Sorensen getting knocked off put him in a position to take out a lot of uh, highly seated guys on the backside. He uh, knocked uh, Deacon out. Uh, he knocked Keyshawn Hayes out, as we mentioned, and then uh, he comes back to get fifth, beating Grant Leith for fifth. So any other points at 149, David? No, sir. All right, let's move it ahead to 57. Jason North two months ago, month uh, probably about six, seven weeks ago, we're wondering what is Penn State going to get out of Jason Knolf. And I don't know that he was peak Nolfe. Uh, but whatever he was at, ninety percent, eighty percent, still plenty good enough to win a national title. One of uh, you know we've seen some guys that have gone down with uh, in season injuries, not a lot, but a few. Mark Perry comes to mind. His senior season had a meniscus tear and went in for surgery after the national duels in January. Comes back for the Big Ten championships, finishes second at Big Ten's. Wins the NCAA title. Uh, this null thing, man, what uh, what a story for him to come back and, and give what he gave uh, for Penn State. And uh, he goes tech fall in the first round against Colin Heffernan, 6-1 over Andrew Crone, 6-2 over Kemmer, 16-0 over Micah Jordan <laughs> in the semis, just went to work on top, and then 6-2, over Hayden Heidley, hands him his first loss and only loss of the season.
1: I remember us talking maybe like right before Big Tens, and when we were, you know we talk about the rankings and what we think, and I think we both said if Nolf wrestles and wins, Penn State's the favorite. Or not, if he wrestles and he's healthy, they're the favorite. And if he can't wrestle, Ohio State's probably going to win it. And that's easily the case here because he scored, you know, what he scored, 20 points plus a tech plus another tech 23 points. I mean, he, that's the big swingers. I mean, that's another one, you know, nobody talks about that, but if he can't go, they don't win. You know, Tyler Berger is another guy. We've talked about all year, how he kind of underperformed, you know, in some matches, lost to some, you know, some close matches, but he's a guy that's gotten it done before. And uh, he was impressive. And I think Hayden Heidley's really underrated. I mean, he really did a great job. You know, made the finals as the one seed. You know that's tough. Um, and they had him listed here in the bracket as twenty six and one, but he was undefeated coming in, right?
0: Yeah, he was undefeated. The twenty six and one is represents a loss there in the finals. Those are oh, are okay. Final record. And then
1: the other the other major story at this weight is obviously Joey Lavalley getting beat by Kennedy Monday, right out of the shoot, and then making it all the way back to the round of twelve, and having to wrestle Kemmer. But Lavalley's a guy that. You know, you you talked about this. You spoke to Brian Smith. He made some really positive lifestyle changes and choices and has is, is really been a big leader to that Missouri team. But Missouri, when the first round was over, there were only two of the top 70 seeds that got beat, and they were both Missouri guys in, in Valley and Ernesty. So that was a really rough start for them. I got to give Brian Smith and those guys credit. They, they came back and wrestled on the back. There was no quit in them.
0: You mentioned Tyler Berger you know, what a bizarre season he had starting off pretty highly ranked, uh, suffering some puzzling losses in there and then coming back to take third. Uh, that's, that's, uh, one of the, one of the big stories of this, this weight class, the other one, uh, you know, that, that you did not mention there, but, uh, was pivotal in the team race. Uh, you know, it kind of added up at least, uh, when, when, uh, Ohio State got off to that fast start on Saturday morning fall from Tomasello, win from uh, Pletcher. Uh, weren't able to the Buckeyes weren't able to sustain that throughout the round and it really felt like they needed to create some cushion uh, potentially going into that final round of you know felt to me like at least double digits would have been where they needed to be I think it think it wound up being six points uh, that they took a lead into the finals. Uh, but, uh, Yeah. You know, Micah Jordan losing an OT to Tyler Berger. That was that was one that it felt to me like Ohio State really had to have, and they did. They didn't Three get and it done Right there.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, so. Sure.
0: 165 pounds. Vincenzo Joseph, sophomore, two-time NCAA champion, really controlled things against Imar. And hit that inside trip on the edge with about fifteen seconds left in the first period. They go back to the center. You're thinking uh, short time, Isaiah needs to get away here. Really needs to get away and, and put a point on the board. And then he gets uh turned for two for a two count and all of a sudden four oh. That's a pretty, pretty big hole to climb out of against Vincenzo Joseph.
1: It's a wrap. It's a wrap at that point. And Vincenzo had a unbelievable quarterfinal with isaiah white you know and gets by him and then you know white loses to john j chavez and overtime loses two overtime matches but vincenzo joseph has the perfect style to beat isaiah martinez because isaiah martinez beat everybody for well really for all four years except him with that left side underhook and vincenzo wants you there he wants you in there. And I mean, I talked to a member of the Penn state coaching staff said, he goes, the best thing that happened was uh, the big 10 match. He goes, cause Vincenzo realized he can't, can't stand around and win that match. He's got to wrestle. And he didn't have that, that double overhook really tight on the edge of the mat. And he went for it anyway. And then I was sitting next to you and I go, it's really important. Imar gets one here. And then he gets tilted. And I look, I'm like, this is done. Cause Imar's best setup, he can't get. He, he wants. Uh, Vincenzo wants you to get in there, and and, and he's more dangerous there than Imar is. He puts you to your back from there, and Imar doesn't. It. So, it's a, it's a, it was a really interesting stylistic matchup. Evan Wick was unbelievable, right? And then you know his run and you know how that ended with Barry Davis was really cool too.
0: Yeah, such a fun bracket though. I mean, think of the the matches that we saw in this tournament. Um Marinelli coming back from uh 4-1, I think 4-1 down against Chad Walsh. Uh on his back almost. I don't know how he he did not give up back points on the edge when he got uh, headlocked there. Uh comes back to win 7-6 in the quarters against Walsh. Uh you mentioned the Joseph uh Isaiah White match that goes to OT. Uh, the round before Isaiah White wins three-one in overtime against Richie Lewis. You had Massa Wick again. Wick went in that one, um, and some incredible matches on the backside. David, I'm looking through the bracket right now. Logan Massa, Chandler Rogers. Look at Chandler Rogers's run. He gets on, yeah. uh, knocked off on the knocked off, and then runs through the back. He wins a tech fall his first match, and then things started getting wild for him. Seven-five over Massa. 10-8 over Anthony Valencia, 11-9 over Chad Walsh. Those were really entertaining matches on the back. Mm-hmm. Uh, runs into Marsteller, his former teammate, gets beat 9-7 there. Uh, down, down the bracket a little ways, Richie Lewis in the blood around 4-2 loss to Marsteller. Um, you mentioned Wick. Uh, in his run through the back, fall over Wanzek, 9-2 over uh, John J. Chavez, sixteen three over Marinelli. Then he cradles Marsteller and pins him. We knew 165 was going to be a lot of fun, David. and it lived up, uh, lived up to my expectations, at least.
1: Yeah. It was one of those weights, no matter where you were looking, there was three other great matches going on at the same time, for sure. It was a great weight, and it'll be a great weight again next year because almost – the vast majority of those guys are back. Like we've already done the preseason rankings minus red shirts and people changing weights. And that weight is freaking loaded. You know, almost, I mean, Logan Massa is 12th. Wow. It's just crazy.
0: Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I think that the, that's one where if, if you haven't bought the archives, if you're in Cleveland and, and you haven't uh, uh, purchased <laughs> you the archives on track wrestling, yeah. that's probably one you might want to go back and check out. I know that uh, I spent all day yesterday with, uh, you know, the Roku turned on watching uh, the matches Uh <laughs> queued up on there and and on my computer as well and I'm going to fire that up and start watching some 165 here in the next day or two as well. Moving ahead to 174 David uh, Zaheed finishes off his season 32 and oh Zaheed Valencia uh comes from behind in the semis after being down 4-1 against Miles Amin and then uh 8-2 in the finals over Mark Hall some phenomenal action in that match. Uh, Credible tournament by Zahid. Great season, great sophomore season uh, for Valencia. What were your major yeah. takeaways from 174?
1: I think I was really surprised at Mark Hall's almost passive level in the finals. Like he didn't really go for anything, even when he was losing. Zahid, you know, I, I'm Lee Lee Prinson, and I've been friends forever. So I don't root against her for anybody, but I'm really happy for that program. I'm really happy for Zahid. He's told me what a great kid he is and to go major, major fall beat a mean after, you know, I think Sahid probably wrestled the toughest. I think he wrestled undeniably the toughest schedule in the country of the guys that are undefeated, you know, but I think he might've just wrestled the toughest schedule period. When you look at all the guys and where they ended up placing and he just, that's going to be a great battle for two more years. Cause I don't see either one of them moving. So, I mean, I don't think Hall's going anywhere with nickel at 84. And I don't, I guess maybe he would move up, but I don't think he will. Other than that, it was really kind of chalky when you see three wrestling four and five wrestling six in the backside semis, I mean, Coacher placed, Jacoby Smith placed, uh, Jacoby beat Taylor Lujan uh, in the blood round. And, uh, you know, but it was pretty chalky. And then I think we haven't talked about this, but the, the the triumphant of Thomas Sello, Bo Jordan, and Kyle Snyder being the first guys to be four time All Americans, you know, each, you know, as a group, twelve all American finishes. That's awfully impressive too.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Anything else at seventy-four? No. Let's go to that boring final at eighty four. <laughs> How about that? Like I said at the top, David, has there ever been fourteen 14- a 14 second stretch more exciting in, in tournament history. Has there ever been a more exciting 14 second stretch than that one?
1: I don't know. I don't think so. And you know, we were you're a storylines guy, and you know, I'm trying to catch up with you. And I'm like, if Miles Martin wins this match, the Kyle Snyder match determines the team title. I think he almost had like a, an approving big brother smile that I'm finally starting to catch on. <laughs> then then that happened, and I'm like, or this could be over. So, um, but yeah, if you're miles Martin, I mean, you just tip your cap. Cause you wrestled great. You just got caught by a better move and Martin really wrestled well, this tournament, you know, tech fall major 10, um, you know, but nickel was the story and you know, he, he didn't really wrestle like he normally did. He had a major and then three decisions and, uh, then the pin. And then I think the other's you know really standout story here, I guess two. One was watching Max Dean place and Gabe Dean just be in complete tears watching that. And then and you mentioned at the top Emory Parker losing and then going, 17, three, 13, 10, 16, 8-1. I mean, that just takes some cojones to come back through and, and do that, knowing you cannot win the tournament and you're going to just go be a man and handle business anyway. Super, super impressive.
0: Dom Abinader, too. Dom Abinader wins 11-10 in the second round, and then 11-9 in a, t- a second tiebreaker against Renda. That was a knockdown drag out in the, sec- in the quarters. Abinader gets on yes. the stand for the first time in his career in his hometown. Uh, that's that was one of the tremendous stories of 184. You mentioned Emory Parker. Uh, boy, the nickel, the nickel Martin thing is going to stick with people for a long time. That's going to be one that people, people that follow this sport closely are going to remember for decades. You, you know, you you look back on it. Can you imagine if that was the last match of the tournament, and that title was writing on that?
1: Somebody had talked about that, right? Like maybe starting in 97. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Of course. Then if Snyder loses in the second match, then, you know, we don't have uh, anything on the line at the end, but, uh, uh, nonetheless, you know, I, 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 I can't argue with starting it at 25 with Spencer Lee and Seriano and ending it with Snyder and Kuhn. But, uh, man, that was, that was some kind of moment when Nickel pin Martin, um, the thing that was interesting to me, I went back and watched that thing over and over and over again. And, and, uh, you know, Mart or nickel had that left arm underneath Martin's right armpit. And he stuck with that the whole time. You know, he let go of the head, but he, he kept that underhook on the left side.
1: He kept the hook. Yeah. Yeah. Hook. And
0: that gave him a chance. That gave him a chance. And it, boy, you know, the other thing too, with that, it would have been fascinating to see how that would have played out. If miles Martin would have went up four Oh, you know, a guy with Bo nickels big move capabilities you know could uh, could he have come back and and gotten it done at that point you know i think we could have seen a shootout if Bo nickel <laughs> would have been put up against a 4 point deficit needing to win for penn state uh to to clinch it right there i think uh that would have been a lot of fun to watch but uh certainly um what a moment what a moment for college wrestling right there
1: yeah And I think you're right. I think he comes back. I think that's what was kind of surprising. I will say this, like, I've always thought Mark Hall was a really cool kid. But when Nickel won, Mark Hall comes running out of the tunnel or wherever the, you know, the medalists are waiting. He was the first one besides the coaches to congratulate him. And he obviously had to be in despair. I mean, he had to come into college thinking he's going to be a four-timer. It says a lot about his character that he was the first guy.
0: Absolutely. to
1: congratulate Bo.
0: Absolutely. You
1: know. I don't think he's doing it to be impressive, and I think that's why it's impressive.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think uh, just joy on his part, or the fact that uh, they're they're team champs again. That uh, you know that Bo Nickel won in that uh, kind of fashion. Uh, but but you're absolutely spot on with uh, your your take of uh, Mark Hall there. I thought uh, that that was one of the things when I looked up and watched the TV broadcast and saw Mark Hall was the first one to greet him. I thought that was I thought that was really cool. Also, Mark Hall, yeah. you know, go back to this, David. I think it's the first year since sixth grade that his season hasn't ended with a state or national title. So he won, seventh and, won state titles in seventh, eighth, eighth grade and then um, four more after that in high school at Apple Valley. So a six-time state champion. And then last year, a NCAA title as a true freshman. So I don't think it'll be the last uh, – I think uh, last year will be the last title we see from Mark Hall, either. So,
1: I think Zahid, you know Zahid losing, Mark Hall beating him. I think really put a fire in Zahid's belly, and I think you'll see that the other way now. You know where I think Mark Hall is going to train at an even higher level, and then at eighty four, Price and Renda, the three and four seeds, didn't place. And Renda's a guy I know from talking to Obi, talking to Beasley. who's not there, but was there and talking to Pat. He's a guy that really did big things for their program as well so I know they they love the you know what that kid's done to help them get there and you know I saw them making sure he knew he was a big part of that fourth place team trophy even though he didn't get what he wanted to
0: 197 the first all ACC championship match in tournament history Mike Machiavello NC State 3-1 winner over Jared Haught of Virginia Tech take down 13 seconds to go Kyle Connell or excuse me Kyle Cannell. Of Kent State was uh, probably the story of the tournament at 197. You know, you look at what he did, it wasn't even on the team last year. Knocks off Preston Weigel <laughs> in round one, follows it up with a win over Rodert, uh, pins Colin Moore. You talked about Ronnie Perry breaking up the bracket. Uh, Kyle Cannell did the same thing at 197.
1: He won the pigtail three to two. Yeah. He almost didn't even get in. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, w- yeah. He, he's got a really infectious personality and smile. Like, he's a guy that's kind of hard to not like, for sure. Um, and then, you know, it was kind of interesting. You know, we knew this way probably would not go according to, this, to the rankings or the seeds because it's been crazy all year. But some really interesting matches. And then, you know, Darmstead had that great quote in the interview, I think it was Friday night, that he, was, he used to be so skinny that Sarah McLaughlin was singing songs for him. <laughs> um willie michlis finds a way to place again and then you know jacob holslog who's a kid that i know he took fifth Pin Darmstead, and i actually saw him on the streets like a little bit afterwards and um it's you, you feel 47 and old and tiny when that guy picks you up off the ground and gives you a bear hug but i'm really happy for him and his family and for you and i but Machiavello and i think hot have wrestled something like 10 times now and he was like I think He's now like three and seven against him, but you kind of knew that was going to be a coin flip match. It also shows you that a lot of times moving up to 197 and lifting and being strong because that weight traditionally isn't super deep coming out of high school is the way to go. He was the guy that DNP'd a year ago at 184.
0: Well, let's flip it forward to heavyweight, David. The big show at the end Kyle Snyder, Adam Kuhn. Snyder gets the takedown closing 20 seconds. Little throw by, uh, man! What a career! What a career! And and <laughs> brings up the question: You know, where's his place in NCAA history? You know, is he is he the greatest of all time? Is Cale Sanderson the greatest of all time? I don't know that it uh, really matters, but people will argue over it for uh, years and decades to come about who's who's the greatest. Uh, you have any thoughts on that yeah. matter?
1: Yeah. It's, it's pretty clear. It just depends on your criteria. If you right. count college only, then the four timers are the greatest, you know, and, and, you know, probably kale. And then, you know, you rank those other guys in whatever order you feel is right. Um, you know, Dake and Pat Smith and Steber. And if you overall body of work, I think Kyle Snyder's one, I think John Smith has to be up there. You know, uh, I think Jaden Cox has to be up there when you make the Olympics or world team and medal while you still have collegiate eligibility, I think, you know, if you're using that as a criteria, you know, that's unique. And I, I, I also think, you know, like if Kyle Snyder was a little smaller, I'm pretty sure people think he probably would have done pretty dang good at 197. you know, if that was, you know, the Olympic weight that he was wrestling. Um, I think without a doubt, and the same thing with Kale and John, these guys are just unbelievable ambassadors for their, their school and the sport of wrestling. I mean, the heavyweight match was kind of hard to watch in the sense that like, they're just both such great kids. You don't want to root against either one of them. Um, but you know, it was in Ohio and those people went crazy when that happened. And, you know, my dad always called that a high low when you shoot and your hands up you know, the other guy's got an underhook very similar to the position that, uh, you spoke about with Bo nickel. You can't shoot through an underhook. And that's all that Snyder did was just hit a little whip over. And, you know, that was the match. You know, I mean, but those guys both, you know, Kyle Snyder can never wrestle another match again and probably be one of the 10 greatest Americans of all time.
0: How about... And I certainly uh, think
1: Kuhn's got, got a great career ahead of him as well.
0: Hats off to Snyder, too. I mean, you think about the money that he left on the table over the course of the last three seasons. You know, yeah. with, with yeah. Uh, what he could have cashed in on endorsements and he comes back to mm-hmm. wrestle in college. Man, what... Uh, what a treat that we've had watching him compete the last three years, especially uh, you know going out there and putting it on the line against guys like Kuhn. You, you think about the you know the potential injury risk of tangling with a guy that uh, given up sixty five pounds like that, uh, but uh, and he's been just such an ambassador for the United States and and uh, uh, certainly for Ohio State as well. I mean, just uh, you know, there's there's not a better representative of wrestling in this country than, than Kyle Snyder and uh what he stands for and what uh how he is how he's represented both the state and the country and, and the sport over the course of his college career. So uh it's going to be fun watching New him wrestling. go and compete at uh full time now on the international level. Uh at least uh you know hopefully we got another uh you know hopefully another decade or at least a couple Olympic cycles uh left to watch and Snyder Winning a lot of uh, world and Olympic medals, but uh, it's been a pleasure watching him compete the last three years, last four years, but uh, certainly the last three after uh, coming off world titles.
1: He wrestled with really nothing to gain. Yeah. And that's, there's the amount of pressure to do that. I remember my senior year in high school, I almost got an ulcer, you know, just, and it's one, one millionth of the micro, you know, of the microscope on you. Um, you know, I, I think that's probably the thing I admire the most about him. He never talks about that. You know, like, you know, like we try to put matchups together for certain all star meets and guys are like, well, I only want to wrestle somebody ranked higher than me. Like, well, then no one will ever wrestle anybody because somebody has to be ranked lower. Snyder, like you said, gave up money, gave up so many things to be a part of that program and to wrestle matches where he's supposed to win every time. I mean, Zane's amazing. And, you know, if Zane lost, it would be less shocking than if Kyle Snyder lost. Kyle Snyder lost to a guy who's really good, who's 70 pounds bigger than him, and nobody – like, people were just absolutely, like, mortified. I mean, that tells you how great you are. So um, it's going to be a long time before we see a dude like that again. And um, we're truly blessed to see Zane and Snyder at the same time. I don't know if, if people will – and, you know, there's a lot of these other guys that are a year behind them, but those two especially – are are, uh, game changers in terms of of wrestling for the
0: long term. Absolutely, absolutely. And then uh, rounding out the heavyweight bracket, uh, Mar-Desi of Oregon State comes back to finish third after uh, losing to Kuhn in the semis. Jacob Casper of Duke takes fourth after losing to Snyder in the semis. Uh, Sam Stoll of Iowa uh, wins the Guerrarian. Finishes fifth with a fall over Mike Hughes of Hofstra. Nick Neville's of Penn State takes seventh after beating Yusuf Hamida. So I think probably on paper, looking at it, uh, Stoll will open next year as a number one heavyweight, right?
1: I think there's a question whether Desi gets a sixth year, but yeah, if not, it means gonna be one or two for
0: okay. sure. All
1: right. So yeah.
0: Well, sure. let's. I mean, uh, we
1: did all those rankings, you know we used uh, Jason Bryant's guide for the years in school. And so we literally have almost every week, 20 something deep already. And you and I have spoken about then adding in, you know, transfers, red shirts, recruits, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, But people should know that the rankings never stop. And this was, this is the time to do it, you know, when it's kind of fresh in your mind. So, um, and then we'll probably do that same thing with the top 15 teams. Like, who's probably going to, you know, be up or down from last year. And, you know, there's – you know, it feels like a lot of those teams could be better than they were last year. I mean, Ohio State loses a lot of points. Michigan loses points. NC State loses points. But Iowa should be better. Missouri conceivably should be better. Cornell feels like they're going to be a ton better. Yep. Um, Virginia Tech loses hot, but they're so young. You know, Nebraska better. Arizona State Tanner hauled in place, and they still did as well as they did. You know, Rutgers, South Dakota State, those schools, and then Illinois, you know, will struggle to replace IMARS points. And then Oklahoma State, like you said, sitting there at 13. And, you know, they line everybody up, right? It feels like they have nine All Americans in that lineup. So it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, we'll break that down probably after World Cup and then, you know, update it as, as we get more data on where everybody's going to end up.
0: Anything else, David?
1: Well, I, I want to congratulate Barry Davis and I want to congratulate Joe McFarland. Uh, Joe's going to come on, on the Matt uh, mat chat tomorrow. Um, I've known Joe for a long time. Um, he's just as good as he gets in terms of a person. And, you know, I was happy to see him get a trophy. Mark Ryland from up in your neck of the woods. I just thought he's retiring. So congratulations to him. He's influenced a ton of people. Um, Congratulations to the three guys that ended up undefeated, Rutherford, Valencia, Nickel. And congratulations to Seth Gross on losing a match by being willing to move up. Uh, Those are the four final Hodge contenders. I'm glad he's in that Hodge thing and they didn't hold that loss against him. And uh, you and I really didn't get a chance to talk about this, but we had the battle for Missouri. And we raised just under $14,000 for veterans for amputations, with amputations rather so. Um, it's a selfish plug, but we're very proud of that. And that money's going to go to a really good cause.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, another college season in the books, David.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. It's in, and, and I should say this, I've gone to wrestling, I've gone to nationals for a lot of years. I've gone to junior college nationals as a coach. Um, I have as much fun, uh, it's, it's cool to, 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 really just kind of be your sidekick and you know um you know see the sport through your eyes and and try to give people your vision and and add my own little two cents worth but uh, it's been really fun and i want to thank mark ostrander for uh helping us do those those quick little matt chat podcasts, kind of the review preview sessions he he was worried he was going to not be great and he was fantastic really good insight national champion coach a guy that really understands the sports and uh he did a great job of making, I think my job and maybe to a certain extent your job a lot easier this weekend.
0: Absolutely. We value your contributions, you and Mark both and our entire track wrestling team out in Cleveland, Travis Johnson, Nick Corey, Cat Kennebec, John Broughton, Shane Sparks, wild Bill Lepshe. the whole team.
1: <laughs> I love that dude. He's
0: awesome. <laughs> yeah. Wild Bill is a man. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. And, uh, Tons of content up on track wrestling, all sorts of video interviews from the NCAA championship stories. Uh, we'll be having plenty of preview coverage here in the next couple weeks for next week for folkstyle nationals right down the street from my house at the Uni Dome here in Cedar Falls. And then uh, down uh, 380 in Iowa City uh, the first or I guess the second weekend of April, April 7th and 8th. The World Cup. Looking forward to that. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, You know, I guess college season's over, but uh, the great part about it, David, wrestling never stops anymore. We move (laughs) right into the postseason for high school stuff, and we're going to get the freestyle circuit cranked up here really quickly, and I'm looking forward to that.
1: For sure. For sure.
0: Well, that'll do it. For this week's edition of Weighing In, NCAA Recap Edition, thank you all for joining us. Thank you for taking the time to listen to us each and every week. For David Mirkatani, I'm Andy Hamilton, and we will be joining you again next week. Thank you. <music>